And I know this is a, this is a talk about my thoughts on motherhood. So you're going to hear my unfiltered opinions on a lot of things. This is not a directive of this is how I think everybody should live, for sure. I'm curious, though, like, we have men in the audience, too. So I want to make this a more broad topic, not just to direct it towards women, but also towards, like, parenting and um, include things like your life purpose as uh, a working person, as a family member, and all these things kind of meld together in, in my mind as well. So I'm Heather, hi. I wanted to introduce myself. You all know me from syndicates. I, I work as a software engineer. Um, I'm also a mom of a one-year-old, 13-month-old, and it's been a crazy journey, and I think this talk is kind of fun for me to give right now because I've had this year of change where before I was very, I think, very free to kind of do whatever I wanted, even though like I was married and had obligations, but when you have a kid, there is a lot more like responsibility to taking care of your kid, and necessarily you have to direct a lot more time and energy that way. So I was kind of excited to uh, give this talk that Jared asked me to speak on these things. He asked me to talk about motherhood and career or mission or something like that, so that's what I'm hoping to touch on. It will be a far-ranging topic and flow through a few things. I want to first start out with since we are Christians, or mostly Christians in this room, what does the Bible say about women and working and career? And I think that the Bible actually does not specifically tell women to have careers or not have careers. I think it's not a super directive on that, but it does have a lot of themes about how families should work and not sinning, basically. So those are where my like roots come from, and but I've also had influ other influences, which I'll talk on, touch on soon. Okay, so this is from Titus, and it talks about sound teaching and Christian living. Older men are to be level-headed, worthy of respect, sensible, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in their behaviors, not slanderers, not addicted to much wine. Anybody know older women like that? <laughs> they are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, homemakers, kind and submissive to their husbands so that God's message will not be slandered. In the same way, encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything. Make yourself an example of good works with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach so that the opponent will be ashamed having nothing bad to say about us. So nice, that's a nice like couple paragraphs of how family should be structured according to Paul. So my influence is I come from a Christian family, a Christian upbringing. I also have a mom who worked a lot when I was a kid. And so I had that modeling of my mom worked and that was just normal. She was a doctor, she was a professional. My dad also worked and I saw that in my family. I don't necessarily think that was a bad thing I think that it, it set me up also to think that, hey, women just work and women can be professionals and that is a normal part of life. I don't know that my mom necessarily needed to work to pay our bills for a lot of her career, but she chose to because she had professional skills that she wanted to use. And so I have that, that also modeling in my family of where my mom modeled this like I work because I I enjoy it and it's also part of my life's mission like taking care of me was part of her life's mission but also 
doing this other kind of work outside the home was part of her life's work and she it was very clearly impactful and meaningful to her so my mom is a really big like very direct role model for me I would say a lot of the mentors and people I've looked up to throughout my life are a, a lot of women actually not all uh, working women though a lot of pastors wives and teachers who may have only taught a little bit part-time and good solid people who had good values and really seemed to care about the people around them. The people I get along with well, there's this kind of Venn diagram of people who influence you and then people who you get along with. They're not always the same and <laughs> the people I get along with well are actually more like men and I think that is something I wanted to mention because I I'm an action-oriented person. I like to go out and have adventure and do challenging things, which is maybe more of a male-dominated, male-oriented trait. I don't know. It's not strict, and we live in this society where gender-like gender stereotypes are more like flexible and open, and I've benefited from that because it's not weird for me to want to go hiking and mountaineering and all that stuff. So I've really enjoyed having, like, male friends growing up and we're like, yay, we're gonna go hiking and skiing and do the hard things together. And I've really found value in that. Um, not everyone is like that. That's something I remember recently having some conversation about with uh, Banquet and Ball guys who've attended Banquet and Ball saying, hey, it's really important for us guys to have this experience of like suffering together and overcoming challenge together. And that's a very powerful experience. And I was like, hey, I kind of like that too. But the banquet of all experience for women is not usually themed around that. And that's, that's okay, that's just a thing that I kind of noticed. So the other thing about me, it, this is all part of my intro, is I'm an only child and that has come with a high degree of like personal selfishness, which I have <laughs> worked hard to recognize and, and counteract. It is a trait though where I think a lot about like, what do I want? And I don't think a lot naturally about other people. And so as I've gone into marriage and now taking care of a kid, I realized, oh man, I'm super selfish. And that's like a human trait, but like particularly because I didn't have to think about a lot, lot of other people in my earlier life. I wasn't trained into a role or had a lot of experience where I had to take care of younger siblings or be interconnected. So a big theme of my last year has been now I'm a part of Basically, I called it a caregiving team, where there's my mother-in-law and my mom and, and Brooke Waits, who takes care of Kellen a lot, and we all, we all are like geared around this project of taking care of Kellen. And uh, it's fun, and it's great, and it makes me feel like I'm a part of this team that we all have to communicate and coordinate together. And that's a, a good thing for me, but it's also new. I haven't done a whole lot of that in my life. The topic that Jared asked me to talk on was on motherhood and like mission or or and then also how it ties into career like because I I do have a career I work I guess so yeah all right so I'm going to also since we're starting out with like the biblical foundation for this these ideas I'm going to read Proverbs 31 because it's a great chapter and talk about again because this is all just like my opinions on stuff so who can find a capable wife she is far more precious than jewels the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will not lack anything good she rewards him with good and not evil all the days of her life that's an important thing i'm going to stop there because that's a big motivation for me is like i am a married woman and 
I think that married women should not cause problems for their husbands. <laughs> That's like a really important part of being married. And I, I'm going to try to counteract that with married men should not cause problems for their wives. Like, it's just sort of basic advice, right? Mm -hmm. It's in the Bible. It's from, it's from these foundational ideas. So I want to be a woman who rewards my husband with good and not evil all the days of my life. And so how do I go about doing that? She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. She evaluates a field and buys it and plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never go out, goes out by night. So she is a very industrious, hardworking person. It sounds like she is not just involved in childcare all day long, at least at this point in her life. I don't know what age of woman specifically this woman is, but there's phases in which the model of biblical womanhood is to work and do a lot of stuff. She extends her hand to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. She's not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are doubly clothed. This is, uh, I like this one particularly because it shows foresight and that's something that's very important to me personally is I'm a planner and I like to be prepared for the future. So this is talking about when it snows, we are not going to be cold and we're not going to starve. The modern idea for that is like, have a savings account <laughs> and have an emergency fund for like, if you lose your job or something like that. I, I hear a lot in Christian circles of like, oh, we should just trust God for, for providing. Yes, you should trust God, but also you should save your money. Let's not say these are exclusive ideas. So if you can, prepare for your future. And that's, that's a task that uh, the biblical woman did. She is not afraid for her household when it snows because snows she's prepared. She makes her own bed coverings. Her cloth is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits in the elders among the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She can laugh at the time to come. So again, she is optimistic about the future. She's laughing because she's like, the future is going to be awesome. And that is a very freeing and wonderful feeling to have. Uh, she opens her mouth with wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her sons rise up and call her blessed. Okay, so probably her sons are like to the age where they can bless her. <laughs> maybe not infants anymore. Uh, we're, we're placing this woman's age as maybe her children are already a little, to that little bit more self-sufficient age. Uh, her husband also praises her. Many women are capable, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her work praise her at the city gate. So at the end, it's talking about like, let her enjoy the fruits of her own labor and let her be praised as well. So I think that's really cool. I really like Proverbs 31. I haven't actually read it in full for a while. Then I want to get into from that point, what is the role of of a woman in our society and what did God create us for and what does the role of a helpmeet entail and I think that in if you ask that question maybe 50 years ago or something you might get a pretty different answer or maybe even more I don't know the feminist revolution stuff was in like the 60s and 70s so it probably really depends on who you ask even now but 
I want to talk about something very different from all of this, and who knows who Elizabeth Warren is? Okay, almost everybody. Elizabeth Warren, she ran for president in 2016, right? Was it 2020? Thank you. Yeah. So she's she's a liberal. She's senator, um, or she was a senator. I and one sixteenth of Navajo or something. <laughs> she got in hot water because she claimed she had Native American yeah, ancestry, yeah, yeah. but didn't really, or something. Yeah. So, anyways, it she is not a well liked person on the right, but she does have a very interesting article that you can find from her tenure when she was a professor, and it talks about what's called the two-income inflation problem, which is that we now live in a post-feminist society where women have entered the workforce post-World War I, or World War II, excuse me. A lot of women entered the workforce and stayed in the workforce, and now women are, it's normal for us to work. And it's like, a lot of women grow up expecting to have a job, um, a career, and earn income. And not only is it expected, but it's very hard in our society to live on one income in most parts of the United States. And it's sort of this self-fulfilling path that we put ourselves on where because more women started to work, people had more income, and so there was more products available for people to buy, and standard of living rose, but now everybody kind of expects that you're gonna have not just this kind of life, but you're gonna have this kind of life, and this kind of life is now the status quo, normal in our society. And I, I know this because we have tried our hardest. I've been married for almost uh, like six and a half years, and we're not to the point where we could live on one income. And maybe some of you are, and that's awesome. Like the way you make your life decisions is great. Um, I think that living on one income or at least being able to save a significant portion of a second income is really, really powerful. Again, with the savings and preparing for the future stuff but it also sort of puts this burden onto women that wasn't there like 100 years ago. And our culture and our society has shifted a lot. So as I've learned a lot about this stuff, I'm gonna talk about feminism. I'm not trying to like tell you that feminism is good or bad or anything, but it's very hard to talk about this stuff without talking about feminism. So a brief history of feminism. Uh, basically there was like first wave, which was like original, you think like suffragettes marching in the streets, that kind of stuff, and they just right wanted to like right to vote, right to own property. That was like things that we totally take for granted. Like I can have my own bank account, I can have my own job, I can take my income and put it into that bank account and keep it away from my husband if I wanted to. And not that I would want to, but somebody who's in a abusive situation might want to. And so that was first wave feminism. Second wave feminism came after that. It was like the next level of, of requests that women were making, which was like, we want to be not discriminated on in the workforce. We want to be able to have professional careers. We want to be able to enter college and study at universities, uh, that kind of stuff. That's where, that's where I would claim my feminism is from. And because those are the things that have directly benefited me. Like I would not be able to do my job. I would not be able to go to go to college. I would not be able to be respected in my workplace without those kinds of societal changes. So I am grateful. You may criticize feminism for certain things and like say, hey, it's it's caused these problems. Yes, it has. I acknowledge those problems too. But it's also like allowed me to be who I am who, right now and my mom too. 
Now, and then there's third wave feminism, and I don't know if there's fourth wave or whatever, but like after that, then we get into stuff that is kind of weird and I don't need to talk about, but it's, it's a lot more about like sexual freedom and blah, 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 and like right to abortion and all that stuff. So those are things that I, uh, I don't want to talk about in detail, but I just want to acknowledge that like feminism has brought us and brought me to where I am, and I am grateful to a large extent for the work that those women did in our society. So we have snacks. I didn't know we got snacks. That's awesome. This is fancy. Okay. <laughs> so uh, coming back to the Proverbs 31 woman, so she pro- she was providing for her family, and I think that's an important thing and something that has come up a lot for me in the last year is like I work, I have worked and paid more than 50% of our bills for the last four years, probably. And I don't know how many of you are in that position. If you're a woman, I've paid the majority of our bills uh, for the last four years. That is a decision that Skylar and I willingly made and entered into because he is a entrepreneur and he has like momentum behind his business and he uh, sees entrepreneurship as a God-given calling on his life. And also, this is a win-win because I actually like my job. That's another thing. So these are factors that need to be discussed if you're making like income earning job decisions in your life. I don't see it as like, oh, look at me, yay, I earn a lot of money, whatever. Like I'm proud of my income earning ability, but it's, it's more like at this point, I would rather not have that burden of having to earn the majority of our income. And that's a conversation that we've had. So you're just, you're hearing, like, you're all friends. These are things that we would tell you in in confidence in our conversations, but, like, that's where we're at right now. But I think where Christians get into controversy, because I've heard the the conservative perspective, uh, the very conservative Christian perspective is, like, women should not work outside of the home. They were designed to raise children, and that is the only job that they're allowed to do. And I don't agree with that. I don't think that actually has a biblical foundation. I think that if you are working in order to provide for your family and not for the sake of your own selfishness and ego and like, I just want to have prestige and recognition in society and stuff, then it is actually very good for women to work if that is the path. And going, this ties to Elizabeth Warren's thing which is that like it's hard to survive in our society without additional income sometimes. And we can make decisions, lifestyle decisions, living in smaller homes, renting, not owning more cars, not buying more stuff. Like you can do all this stuff in order to like minimize your expenses, but on the whole it is sometimes quite difficult to not have a second income in your family. Yeah, I don't actually think that God commanded all women to be stay-at-home moms for the duration of their lives. It's something that is imposed by culture and I'm trying to get into a new topic here, which is like, there's a lot of work that needs to be done in your family. And maybe this is a good segue for an exercise. I have an exercise for y'all, because hands-on learning. (laughs) But there's a lot of work that needs to be done in in a family, um, especially once you have kids. I really took that for granted before having kids because I was like, yeah, I can work a full day and come home and make dinner and like breeze around the house and do chores and still go to bed and feel fine. And that does not work at all <laughs> for <laughs> after you have kids. You get totally overwhelmed, exhausted. 
if you're trying to do chores with kids around, it takes like five times as long. And there's more chores that have to be done all the time because your toddlers are messing things up all the time and it's harder to clean up after them. So there, it's, it's a lot. Um, and then you have the problems of like, who's gonna make appointments for people to go to things that need to happen and who's gonna coordinate social events and there's just a lot of work that has to be done. So I don't think it's necessarily that women because of our gender, we have to do all that work, but I do think that women tend to have certain strengths and men tend to have certain strengths and these are things that need to be worked out within the context of a family unit and figure out who's gonna do all this work and everybody to be, if not content, at least be able to tolerate their workload. Um, what I don't think works is something that happened after the feminist sort of revolution, which is that women felt like they needed to fulfill all of the man's role and still keep doing all of the women's housework role. And that was like completely unsustainable and made women very unhappy and I think now we are in a conversation societally around, okay, so we're in a place where women sort of have to work even if they don't want to all the time, but that necessarily means that there's more housework to be done. So either you hire people to do it because you're earning more money to do it, or women just choose to do it and work less, or men step into that role some, to some extent. And I think that, that that's sort of where we're at. And I don't think that any of those are bad options. They're, they're not morally good or bad. They're just like things you gotta figure out. Again, not telling you what you should do, or they're just like things where you should have open conversations within your family about this work and acknowledge that there is a frick ton of work to be done in life and especially in taking care of like a household. So I want to do something that might, might feel kind of weird, but I want you to take some post-it notes and generate as many like life-related tasks and what I what I mean life-related I don't want to use ex exclusively housework because there's more things to it than that there I want you to include things like making doctor's appointments getting people to doctor's appointments planning for sure yeah all the things so take a little stack of post notes please and if you have a pen Okay, I'm gonna set a timer for two minutes. Try to write as many in two minutes down as you can. Okay, stop with the sticky notes. Next task is I want you to take all the sticky notes, not just, you, well, you can start with your sticky notes, but I want you to go to a wall that we can access. And towards the window, I want you to put things that are generally more uh, jobs that women do. And towards the thermostat, I want you to put jobs that generally more men do. It's like a spectrum or like spectrum. a spectrum. And the goal of this is not to be like, oh man, look how sucky women are or how sucky men are. That's not the motivation, but there's a purpose. Okay. Okay, I want you to, once all the sticky notes are up there somewhere, I want you to find one that you think is out of place and wrong and tell us why. Ready, go. Protest yeah, yeah. air removing cooking further to the left because in most households that I know of and, and mine and in my parents and the way I grew up, both my parents cook equally. I would like to protest. What's that one? Taking care of ill parents. 
notably because my husband did this for his own father when he was dying. Um, mm -hmm. It's not just a woman's job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. Spousal trolling. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for your, your work and your help. Again, this is not to be like, oh man, look at all the work that women do that men don't do. That's not, not the case, clearly. Like we have we have shared responsibility for a lot of things. The point here is just to think about teamwork and interconnectedness and the fact that like God made men and women and we are supposed to help each other out. And I don't think that being a help me means that God made women to like be a slave. I don't think that's, that's like biblical and I don't think that's what we're supposed to do in our relationships with each other. So we're supposed to be interdependent upon each other but not like slaves to each other. So there is an element, and I've very much experienced this, where you need to sacrifice and serve in your family. And that doesn't mean you always will feel good about all the work you're doing. I certainly don't feel good about all the work that I have to do all the time. But it's um, like, I would much rather be like, ah, I'm gonna go do whatever I want to. I don't wanna do the dishes, but I do do the dishes a lot because it's a service to my family and my house is gross and nobody gets to eat if I don't do dishes. So like, there's just like basic practicalities. The other one I wanna ask about is like, there's this concept that has, has come up in more recent years called like invisible work, which is basically not a task that you can see someone do, but it's still being done. And that's things more like planning or management type work. And the, the feminist position is that like women, the bulk of this responsibility falls on women. I think that actually that comes down to almost like a, a brain difference because women are more like geared towards multitasking and stuff and women tend to be more security oriented as well, so we care more about planning. And I'm just baffled sometimes at like, Skylar didn't think about this thing. How could he not think about that thing? <laughs> like, and we've probably all had these experienced in our families, those of us who are married. And it's just so easy for him to be like, I'm just gonna be in the here and now and not have to think about this other thing. And I'm like, but I spend so much mental energy on the other thing. That's just another thing that I wanted to bring up because it's something that like I've experienced in the last year as a new mom where I do not have the mental capacity to do all the planning and management that I used to. And I actually really like to do planning and management. I get paid to do it. I'm very good at it. But when I'm trying to do it, and take care of a newborn and running on four hours of sleep for the last like four months, then it's just not gonna happen. And so like just acknowledge that that is a thing that happens and that the planning and not to say that it has to be the domain of women or men, but if it is, especially for those of you who are like, we wanna have kids, that is coming and <laughs> have upfront conversations about that. Otherwise you will have big fights and people will be very upset. Um, i.e. you and your, your spouse will be very upset at each other because something will go terribly wrong because nobody was thinking about it or planning for it. And that is a real kind of, of work. So uh, uh, again, I'm talking about early parenting and, and motherhood because that's been my life for the last year. <laughs> so um, I've been talking a lot about women's stuff and I want to also like talk about or at least acknowledge some men's stuff. So I, I think that it's very easy to like criticize modeling for women, I think, because we live in a society where these are really popular topics to think about. But I don't think, I think men do actually get left out of the conversation. There's also 
a lot of like very poor modeling for men. And like I talked about women having these high expectations that are very unsustainable and unrealistic. But I also think men face that too. And we live in a world where men don't have good role models and they're either like not called to do anything and just like, ah, well, you were born with a penis, so you're good. Like, you don't have to actually do anything with your life and you don't have to like make, you don't actually have to provide for your family or, or like because you're a man, you have like privilege and so everything's easy for you, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's true either. I think that doing anything with your life is hard and takes a lot of work. And there are also like pretty rigid expectations sometimes for men where you're expected to have a career, you're exposed to you're expected to know what you do know what you're doing in life uh pretty early on and just stick to it and that's like a very 1950s model of life <laughs> where you're like hey i i don't actually know what i'm doing um and i'm 25 and i feel like a failure and these are just like general society expectations men are also expected to be like competitive or like it's okay to advance my career and like put other people down this like unhealthy competitive mindset or like I hate my job but I have to do it because I feel like I need to earn money Um, I think these are all problems like these are problems and these are things that we should be having conversations about Skylar and I have conversations about a lot and he's I wish he was here because I wanted to ask his opinion at this point (laughs) but like uh, he he didn't want to have a career he's like I don't want to work for someone else and he feels very passionate about entrepreneurship and working for himself and not even necessarily in a specific thing. He's just like, I don't care what the business is. I just want to own it. And it's pretty, it's kind of cool. And it's new to me because uh, we have very different like motivations in life for work and stuff. But I think his are very awesome and admirable. And that's why I, I uh, am happy for to support him in that. So the other thing that I've experienced in the last year on the topic of this like invisible work and management work is like I've found it very hard to give up control and (laughs) Janelle's like yep yeah so I found it very hard to give up control and accept that I'm in a phase of life where I can't do all the things that I used to do I think that in the first like six months if you have a new baby if you're a first-time mom you need to a Tell everyone in your life to treat you you like freaking royalty and do nothing for yourself because you won't be able to. Also, you need to stop gatekeeping all of the things that you used to do and be like, oh, well, I know how to do that the best of anybody. And so I don't trust other people with that task. So forget that. (laughs) It's hard. It's, It's a hard journey, like emotional journey. Physically, you are just like not capable of doing all the things. And I don't know if that was more just me, but like I had a a very difficult time for the first six months of having a baby. So learning to trust and rely that life does go on and it doesn't always have to be me that manages things and does the work. And maybe it's not done exactly the way that I would have wanted it done, but that's not really important right now. So trusting in others and trusting my my family, my community to take care of me, because that's a time of, of receiving that is very important and good. Some of it is, like, that's something that I've been thinking about, like, can we make this easier on each other? And I think we can. I think we can do a better job. And I think that we have lived in this society where, like, we came from this, we came from, like, 
I don't even honestly know what the experience of family life was like before 1950s, um, but I could kind of imagine what it was like after. And I don't know what it would be like to live in a society where for the first six months of having a new baby, your in-laws like move in with you and basically do all your chores. I'm like, I that would be kind of stressful in some regards because you'd have like the family dynamic dysfunction stuff, but also my house would be way cleaner and <laughs> I would probably feel like much healthier on a practical level. So we live in a weird society where we have, I think, a lot of options for better and for worse. So we can, we have like, oh, yay, women can work and women can do whatever they want. But in some ways, those options create more problems because we don't have this this model of, of like culture and community of like, this is how the family is going to work. And I don't even know, like people are, are People accuse millennials of, oh, you're not having kids, you're having kids too late, whatever. But, like, we also have this millennial culture of, like, you move into a different state away from everyone you know, and then you try to have kids there? What? Like, (laughs) and that's, like, nuts, and that's insane. To me, that's insane, and I think it's hard, and my, both both sides of my family live here (laughs) and help, and I still think it's difficult, so... I think we live in a really warped model and have very warped expectations of what families should be. And it's not talked about, which is why I don't want to talk about it here because you're allowed to talk about like, oh, how's your work going? Or like, how are your kids doing? But this like transition and like connectedness between it is like very, I think it's like a silent problem that people don't talk about that much. I've read and heard a few little tidbits, which is in Bali, there is a culture where for the first like, three or four months or something of the baby's life, they don't put them down on the ground. And part of it is for health reasons. And part of it is their like religious beliefs about touching the ground is like bad and some like religious capacity. But that means that all of basically if the female members of the family will be there like almost all the time and the baby is passed from arm to arm. And I was like, that would be so beautiful to like live that way for a while. And you never have to worry about having another arm to pass the baby to. So there's a lot of things where we in America will criticize like, oh, they have these weird customs in like China and stuff where their in-laws move in with them or they live in like multi-generational households. But those models do exist for a reason. And they're actually very, very helpful for the purposes of raising little kids who need a lot of attention. So the more more you can like increase the adult to child ratio around you is a good thing. <laughs> it's something that I've I've thought a lot about and after having my own baby and having a new baby soon, I've been be- very passionate about like helping to try to support new moms and there's only so much I can do as a friend of like dropping meals by and checking in every so often, but it is a really important service that you can offer to people. And it doesn't have to be big heroics. It can literally just be stop by for a couple of hours if you have time. It makes a huge, huge difference. Okay, I want to close this, this topic off. I've been talking for like an hour now. And get into something that I hope is applicable to everybody. Which is more about like mission. Your personal like mission and career and kind of how they put go together. They I use career in a kind of hand-wavy sense, maybe forget that word, maybe think about it more as mission because not everybody wants to have a career, not everybody does have a career, and that's okay. A lot of my thoughts come from a particular guy named Cal Newport who wrote 
several good books. One is a book called So Good They Can't Ignore You, and it essentially argues that if you want to be satisfied in life, not just in your work, but in life in general, you need to develop specific uh, skills. You need to fill a role that is uniquely yours. And I think that that idea applies not just to work, like paid work, but also your family. And I've heard it said, a lot of moms say this, they're like, well, they can replace me at work, but they can't replace me at home. And uh, I think that's a good argument. Like nobody can replace you as a parent for your kid. So if that is where you feel like you are most valued and you uniquely fit that role, that you, that's where you need to be awesome. And that's, that's sort of the line of reasoning that I see a lot of moms. They're like, I need to be a stay-at-home mom because nobody can do this as well as I can do it and my kids are better off this way. Now, I think that there are a little bit of counter arguments to that to some extent, which is that like sometimes kids actually do thrive with non-parental caregivers. Some, not all, not I think like daycare is the most optimal model, but I have heard I've read this one study that I thought was great, which was that kids actually hit developmental milestones earlier statistically if they are frequently taken care of by people who aren't their parents. And that applies to uh, like relatives. Relatives actually have a higher impact, but even like a daycare provider does have an impact. And I think it kind of comes down to just the fact that they're kind of exposed to more different environments and they have to learn more quickly. It, you can argue maybe it's a little bit more stressful for them. There's nothing that says, my kid walked early, therefore they're going to be a rocket scientist. Like, not really. <laughs> but there is, uh, there is studies to support that kids do learn quickly, when they, more, a little bit more quickly, when they have some time away from their like, parents directly. So take that as you will. Usually in our society, we, have, we do have kids that are away from their parents at least some of the time. Yeah, so I want to come back to this idea of like filling a specialized role and the feeling that you are good at what you do. This, the guy, Cal Newport, he, he kind of comes down to three main topics. One is autonomy, which he defines as the feeling you have control over your day and that your actions are important. Competence, the feeling that you're good at what you do. And relatedness, the feeling of connection to other people. So... Do you guys, you all have pens still, right? Yeah. And we have the sticky notes. So if you have like a journal or something, you can break that out. You can also grab a sticky note that's uh, around. And I'd kind of like you to write down just very briefly your just gut, gut level feeling on those three things. So again, autonomy is the feeling you have control over your day and that your actions are important. Like basically, basic answer would be, do you feel that you have that or you don't have that and why? Competence, the feeling that you are good at what you do and relatedness, the feeling of connection to other people. This book is generally a like career kind of book, but I think it really applies to a lot of things in life. And the, my takeaway from it was people are, are more like, and I don't just say happy, but like, long-term deep satisfaction in life is much higher when you're doing daily work that you feel like you're uniquely suited for what and honestly not that many people have it not that many people feel that way just like so bringing it back to like my my journey the last year is that I felt like I had 
not that much autonomy and not very good competence because I was a first-time mom and I didn't know what I was doing at all. <laughs> and not even that much relatedness because I felt like abandoned, honestly, like at being like left at home with an infant sucks and <laughs> when you're a new mom. So it really does. And like, again, yeah, maybe for me, maybe for me. And maybe I just had a, a terrible infant that screamed for three hours. So, yeah, and, like, no, he's great. I love him. He's, he's much better. But, like, yeah, and so it's just, like, a wide, there's a wide spectrum of experience with motherhood. I, I really enjoy being a mom. I'm glad that I am a mom. But it's definitely a, has been a learning journey for me, and it's helped, like, bring a lot of other things into focus. So I'm very – I'm much more grateful and aware of, like, the joy that my, my work actually brings me, like, my, my job as distinct from – my work as a mom and like this I had this experience where when I went back to work I actually felt overall less stressed because yeah. <laughs> I was like I have an experience of competence and and connectedness and autonomy for at least a few hours of, of the day that I did not have at all um, and that's more like that experience of like satisfaction that I'm doing something worthwhile with my time in my life is super important and I think not just like we shouldn't feel like we're just suffering through whatever our choices are in life so um, that's what I would try to encourage you all and if you're feeling like a lack of these things a lack of autonomy a lack of competence or relatedness in whatever your current life is um, have some honest conversations and figure out how to increase it we can talk about it here for the rest of the day. We can talk, you can talk about it in the privacy of your own, own home, whatever works. And now, like, I, I have felt recently that I've grown in the skill of motherhood and parenting because it's a skill. It's something you learn to do, not something that you're just, like, born with. So, and now I, I do feel, like, fulfilled because I am, a, I am a better mom. I actually know what I'm doing most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. Um, so that's been a, a very good feeling of, like, compared to a year ago. I actually remembered bringing Kellen to this event uh, approximately a year ago, and me and Leah both had had new babies, and it was like one of the very first times we brought our babies out anywhere, and it was just like, I don't know what I'm doing at all, or what should what I should do, and again with like the too many choices thing, like we have choices to take our babies places and to like make any number of of life decisions within our family. Uh, which was maybe not the case like 50 to 100 years ago. There was a lot more of a set pattern, so more strictness, but also more like support in those choices. And now we have a lot of choices, but not so much support from our society in those choices. So that's something that I think is a, a negative impact of like having too many choices in our society is like, like, oh, you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't, I don't have to do anything about it. And like, that's that's the thing that and so we are we are a community here a lot of us live close to each other and I really think we should try to support each other in our choices and <laughs> um, like find a pattern of life that works and is actually a win-win for everybody not just a I'm just gonna suffer for like 10 years until this period of life is over and then I will then eventually be able to have like fulfillment or whatever so anyways that's it thanks for listening to me